This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you once again for joining us on a returning guest. It's absolutely wonderful to have Steve Laws back with us once again. Steve, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Always appreciate it. Always good to have you on, the person who is exposing the migration chaos that we are facing in the UK. And it's always good to talk to someone who is out there reporting and getting, um, I guess, reporting reporting something that no one else is is doing and getting footage that no one else is doing. So if it wasn't for you, uh, the information, the footage would not be getting out. So thank you certainly for all of that. Um, just to our viewers and listeners, it's this is a, a pre-record coming to you, I think, two days before it comes to you. Uh, so it means you can also download it on Podbean or any podcasting app of your choice, or you can watch on any of the uh, video platforms including the website and including well bitches and um i'm sorry not even going to go through them because i'll get lost anyway (laughs) you know your favorite one you watch it and enjoy and we try and put it as wide as possible but steve laws you can follow him on his telegram channel and that link is in the description and also steve laws report.co.uk and the telegram is steve laws 19 uh Again, you can click on it, but also everything is up there on the website. Now, Steve, we've had, since we last talked, which is probably, I don't know, four or five months ago, uh, we've lots of things happened. We've got a new prime minister, one that possibly might be a conservative prime minister, which is quite a change. Um, I'm wondering, what has been the change? Have we seen any changes in the immigration that you are personally witnessing? Well, in terms of down at the docks, in terms of boat arrivals, there has been a few changes, not in the numbers or anything that we'd want to see. The only changes we've actually seen is they've restricted any reporters and press from being able to take clear photos. You now have to go up to the cliffs because they've moved where the gangway was. They've moved it into the new processing facility. So it's now out of sight and you can't actually get a clear count on how many are coming over or even the type of people that are coming over. You have to sit on the top of the cliffs and obviously, unless you've got a thousands and thousands of pounds worth of camera kit you're not going to see what's going on and to be honest most people who sit on the cliffs can't really see it you can see a rough sort of image of what's going on but you can't get clear pictures like i used to be able to get where you'd show them swearing and you could check out what the nationalities were and how many were actually coming over that's very difficult to do now sitting from the top of this and obviously with the winds are coming there's going to be very low visibility and the public are not really going to see what's actually going on now. So that's the only real change we've actually seen. It's not anything effective. It's just more more covering up, to be honest. So all of that, that is done, is that done by the, well, the Ministry of Defence are obviously very involved. Uh, they're no longer defending our shores from any threat, but they're actually providing that service. Um, and I guess it's the Home Office involved. And so someone somewhere has made a, a conscious decision that people like you should not be reporting what's happening. Yeah, pretty much. Because obviously they tried they tried banning us from the docks at first, didn't they? they tried, they've tried that twice and they've failed twice. Yeah. 
So I think the, the approach they've taken now is if we can't stop the people from coming to film this, we just move it so they physically can't. Because when it's behind big, thick black fences that are like 10 foot tall, there's no chance of seeing what's going on. So it's, it's, it's obviously a cover up. But at the same time, it shows that they're willing to cover it up rather than to actually deal with the problem at hand. So it sort of shows their hand and shows what they're planning, what they're plan is moving forward but there's no there's no like deterrent in place yet it's still the same old story just out of sight which is kind of what it was like when i first started covering they didn't want people seeing it and that's going back three years ago now and obviously back then they used to get the border force to try and move us on the police would come and try and move us on and so on but now they've just moved it out of sight because it's easier for them and it's, it's kind of a split decision it's not just from the mod because the mod are actually pulling out by the end of january so they yeah. say so it's more of a decision from the Dover Harbour Board, which is by the um, the transport of the Department of Transport or some I can't remember the exact name of it, and the Border Force as well because they want to keep the Border Force as well. They don't want their faces all over camera as well, so it's part of it's part and parcel of that as well. So it's a bit of covering it up, and the Dover Harbour Board don't actually want them on their land no more because it's coming too much of a problem. Do you want for? Many of our viewers will not be UK. Uh, we probably have around 40%, I think, our viewers are maybe US-based. So do you want to just let them know when when they hear uh, Dover, when they hear the boats, do you just want to kind of set the scene of what you have witnessed over the three years um, to let our, I guess, non-UK audience have an understanding of what's happening? Well, since I've started covering it, over 60-odd thousands, give or take, have came over by boat that we know about. For instance, they, they, the Border Force would go out and the RNLI, which is a lifeboat, which is basically our version of lifeboats. If you're in America, you may not know the RNLI, but it's just basically lifeboats that are funded by charity. They go out, they pick up the illegal immigrants from the French escorts, which is the French Coast Guard, escorting them to the middle of the channel. Then our Border Force will go out there, pick them up, bring them straight back to Dover or Ramsgate if Dover's too busy. And then from there, they will get processed, which is basically take whatever data they can, which is not very much, if I'm honest with you. They, they've, they've only taken something like 50% of all the actual biometrics of the illegals that come over. So half of them are walking around and we have no idea who they are. And the other half, they still don't really know who they are. They've just got data on their like fingerprints, etc. And then from there, they're loaded onto coaches and then driven to like, a Manston processing facility where they get all of their goodies, they speak with someone about their asylum claim and so on. And then from there, they go into a three, four star hotel. And it's, it's that straightforward. And then after they've been in a hotel for six months or so, they go into social housing. I did actually ask the Home Office for an official figure and the Department of Housing for an official figure on how many illegals, asylum seekers and refugees have gone into um, social housing. But they said they hold the information and they refuse to give it out because it's not in the public interest, which tells you that is an absolutely huge number. Because let's not forget, they're not just coming over by boat. They're coming over via the tunnel. They're coming over in lorries. They're overstaying their visas. They're coming on aeroplanes. There's so many routes, which obviously everyone's eyes are on the boats because that's what you can see. You see it day in, day out. You see them coming across the channel. It's hard to avoid. But the other routes, they're not so in the public eye. And there's actually more people coming via the other routes, which is why I'm kind of spending most of my time on the channel tunnel at the moment until we get the figures for those. But I'll explain more about that later on. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll get into that later because I know the work you've been doing is all up on the website. Um, but obviously, people are coming across and they're going through 
beautiful countries like France and beautiful French cuisine and many other countries across Europe. But it is the UK they want to get to. It is something about this country, this nation of four countries. That's not really Northern Ireland. They're not trying to get there, but it's England by and large. So there's something that is a magnet that is drawing them here past all those other safe countries in Europe. Well, it's just the land of milk and honey, isn't it? That's the thing. They know once they get to the UK, they're going to get benefits. That's a given. Even if they fail their asylum claims, they get given benefits. And then they get to put into like the hotels, for instance, so they can have a nice six-month holiday. And then they get given a house. And that's whether you've passed your asylum claim or failed it. So it doesn't really make any difference. And the fact is, barely any of these people have been deported. I think there's something like, only under 100 actual people that have arrived on boats have been deported in the last two years. You'll have to quote, that's not the exact figure, but it's something around that. And obviously, when you hear about deportations, you instantly think, oh, it must be the illegals getting deported. When in, in reality, it's actually foreign criminals that shouldn't be here, so on. They're the ones that are actually getting deported. The people that come over illegally, claim asylum and so on, they're not going anywhere. And the whole world knows it. They know how easy it is. For instance, when I first started covering it, it was about 10 people per boat, something like that, that was coming over. Now, the statistics are stating that it's roughly 60 people per boat. So you can see the jump that's happening. And obviously, we're already over 33,000 this year. It'll probably be a little bit higher by the time this goes out. And last year, we had 28,500, so already 5,000 ahead of last year. And when I first started covering it in the first year I covered it, it was 8,500. So there's been a massive jump in increase in numbers. And... The world knows that these people are not getting deported. They know how easy it is. They know they only even they don't even have to complete the full journey. They've just got to get into the UK waters and then they're not going home. It's a no brainer for someone who's got nothing. And they're just told, right, come here, come here, you'll get this. But the reality is they shouldn't be here. Like The taxpayers shouldn't have to front the burden. Like, we, we've got enough problems of our own. We can't look after the rest of the world. But the world sees us as just the land of milk and honey and they can take what they get and they can get whatever they want. And the world knows it, unfortunately. So these people, whenever they arrive illegally, break into the country, they're they're not held in some detention centre until it's processed. What, what you're describing seems to be they're free to do whatever they want. Oh, yeah. For example, I'll put one example. There was an illegal that I was following. And as soon as he arrived on the boats, he, he, he reached out to me. And he asked for the picture of him coming up the walkway. So I I said, sure, you can have the picture, but I want some information first to make it worth my while. So then from there, he told me, well, he's like, well, I'm already in a hotel. He's like, I'm in the Hilton Hotel. I can't remember exactly which one it was. He was like, I'm in the Hilton Hotel. I came over on a boat this morning when you see me and I'm already going down the shop. And he's like, that's in the space of six, seven hours. So they've been let into the country. They've gone into a hotel. And they're roaming around the streets within the space of six and seven hours, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. This person's entered illegally. We know nothing about them. We have no idea who they are. Yet they can roam the streets freely. And that's just one example. I could name hundreds and hundreds that I've spoken to. And then you add the thousands and thousands that you've seen. They're not in detentions. They're in hotels. They're literally living in a luxury lifestyle at the expense of the British people. And they're still complaining about it. If you see all the protests... They're complaining that they don't like living in a hotel because they want a house because their mate that came over two months ago is in a house. So it's it's all of these sort of problems that are sort of filing out of control. But when people say, oh, they're so hard done by and they're living in horrible conditions, blah, 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 it's a hell of a lot better from where they've came from. 
we should they shouldn't even be in hotels. The fact that they go in hotels is embarrassing for the country. They should be deported. And then when they go into social housing, you can you everyone knows how bad the housing crisis is at the moment in the UK. And it's not so much that we haven't got enough houses, it's the fact we've got too many people. Nobody can really argue the fact. But those houses are not going to British people, unfortunately. They're going to the people that have just arrived into the UK. And now, as well as that, they're also getting private rented properties. And when they get the private rented properties from companies such as Clear Springs or Serco, et cetera, they, they don't have to pay any utility bills. They don't have to pay any rent because that's all covered by the government grant that they give to Serco. So whilst everyone's struggling to pay their heating bills this winter and so on, the people that are living in council houses that don't have to pay rent and get all their utilities bills paid, as well as benefits, etc., are living a luxury lifestyle at our expense while we're struggling. And people don't understand how how easy it is for these people to cut. I know everyone talks about it, but they don't realise the fact that it's not the hotels. The hotels is kind of a distraction because that's just a temporary stopgap until they get houses. The houses is the true problem because when they're in a house, they're not going anywhere. Wow. I mean, it's uh, obviously normal blokes like you and me, Steve, uh, Brits that live here that actually have to budget and have to make ends meet and have to make decisions about what we can or cannot afford. Um, I've never been told that I can go and demand that I get a a house. I mean, uh, I live in a a little flat in London. I, I would love to have a nice house with outside space. What gives these people a right to demand that they are given something while someone who is born and lived here all their lives have zero rights well here's the thing i'm not cute i live in a small flat i've got three kids i'd love to be able to afford to move into a bigger house it's just not an option do you know what i mean so everyone's in the same sort of boat but they don't have any right to the houses that this is clear clear as day they don't have any right the only reason they're getting them is because of the civil service for instance which is working against us actively like that's it's common knowledge now. They're the reason that you can't push back at sea and so on. Y'all could list off a hundred things of what they're doing wrong. And then you've got the open border fanatics that are just pushing constantly. And then you've got the NGOs and various charities that are obviously taking the legal route. And then you've got politicians that haven't got a backbone. You add all of it in together. And obviously, you, when I say politicians never got a backbone, some of them are doing it on purpose. It's clear as day. But I mean, there are some that are opposed to this, but haven't got a backbone to stand up and say, no, enough is enough now. We need to stop this. I'm going to run for the party leadership and so on. Like, there's none of that going on. So the problem is just growing out of control, really. Like When you actually think of the numbers that are coming over and you think of how easy it is, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, really. And you mentioned about one of the organisations, Circo, which is a big, uh, I think it's got a revenue around four or five billion a year. Um, And it seems to be like some kind of leech that latches on to the government and sucks all this money out to do all these range of services. But I know you've talked about them on your website. Do you want to kind of let us know kind of how they are involved or who they are? Well, Serco is probably one of the biggest companies in the world right now. But a lot of people, unless you sort of look into it, you don't really know the details. They control the prisons. They control the immigration detention, they, as well as controlling the actual border. So, for instance, they have a lot of say over what goes on in terms of the border force and all of those sort of organisations. And then they're in charge of the um, asylum processes and the housing and there's so much like if i stood here listing off everything that circo's involved with that'd be the end of the stream but ultimately just to summarize they're a government funded uh, company 
that has billion pound contracts, likes of people like Prince William and uh, Richard Soames, the uh, grandson of Winston Churchill, they're all involved. So it's politicians and stuff like that. They've all got their hands in the pie. They're all making an absolute fortune. And what they're doing at the moment is they're calling for local um, like landlords and property investors to come forward so they can rent their properties out to the um, CERCI, which is to the illegal immigrants, basically. And they get five year contracts. All maintenance work will be will be carried out on the property so they don't have to worry about it. Rent will be guaranteed to be paid. They won't have to pay council tax. They won't have to pay utility bills. There will be weekly checkups on the property. And if there is any damage, it's repaired straight away and so on. So the incentives are massive for landlords to rent these properties out to um, Serco. And obviously they can add a little bit on top because it's a government contract and they don't really care. They can, rather than charge £700 a month, they could charge £900 and they're getting a little bit of extra cash in their pocket. And then what you've got to think is a lot of the property owners, for instance, are not even British that are renting these properties out. You get a lot of foreign investors that buy up tower blocks, uh, three, four bedroom houses and convert them into HMOs, etc. All of these property developers are making an absolute mint and they've got no intention of renting these properties to normal people because they know it's a lot easier just to get regular money coming in from the government every year for five years and then they can extend the contract and so on. It's a similar sort of layout as what goes on with the hotels. And obviously the incentives are massive for them to just rent to illegal immigrants. If you own a property and you're guaranteed five years rent, council tax will be covered, all utility bills will be covered and any maintenance work you need will be covered. It's kind of a no-brainer from a property like investor sort of point of view. So you can see why they're doing it. Obviously, I wouldn't condone anyone doing it. I don't think anyone should be doing it. But you can see the financial incentives that are there. And Serco are pushing for more and more people to do it. And it's not just Serco as well. Clear Springs Ready Homes. And there's a couple of other companies I can't remember off the top of my head that are all doing the exact same thing all up and down the country, calling out landlords and all these private rental. That's why the private rental market is so out of control at the moment, because they can charge what they want because there's so much competition for the houses, because most of the landlords that are available are renting out to Serco and so on. Wow. It, what you're describing sounds like a a massive business. It sounds like a Ponzi scheme that you need to keep bringing in more people to use more houses whenever people who live here or born here, actually there's a struggle to actually get on the housing ladder. But if you come over in a boat, then don't you worry, the taxpayer will will cover you. It seems to be a, a, a massive racket, a massive business. Yeah, it's huge business. And obviously all of the incentives are for Serco to bring more people because their whole fundamental business outline, obviously they've got a lot of areas, but their main income is through like immigration and asylum claims and housing the illegal immigrants and refugees and so on. So that's where their income is. So there's no way, which is bizarre that they're involved in the actual controlling of the border when they're, they've got so many incentives in place to actually bring these people over. Like their business fault structure falls apart if there's no immigrants. That's the reality. So everything with the amount of power that these companies got and other companies as well that are pushing the influence onto the government, of course they're going to want more immigrants coming over. It's a no-brainer for them. Wow. Tell us about politically how you see this. Obviously, you're involved. Um, I guess your areas is now become media of putting stories out, of informing the public. Um, when you look at it, kind of when you think politically, um, are you surprised that over, what, since 2010, we've had a Conservative government and all this 
increase of people coming over, this unlimited immigration is happening under a government that you would kind of expect to stop this and do something about it? Well, that's the thing. Conservative in the name, you would think, yeah, they're going to try and restore like the country as it is, keep traditional values and so on. But no, they're the complete opposite. They've obviously been infiltrated decades ago and that it's now coming to fruition. Like when Liz Truss was asked recently, I think it was a couple of days ago, she was asked how many come over on a boat. She didn't know the figure. Yeah. It's either she didn't know the figure or she didn't want to say a figure in case it was higher than what the public actually know. Whatever your perception is on that is down to your own interpretation, I suppose. But the reality is she's she's completely out of her debt. Same with Suella Braverman. They've got they've got no intention of stopping the problem. They've already said that they need more immigrants to come over because they need to fill job roles, which is absolutely bizarre when we're at the peak of a massive immigration crisis in the country right now. That is not what voters want to hear whatsoever. And what's scary is obviously the only alternative is Labour, who are openly supporting this. At least at least they tell us what they want. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas the Conservatives, they say, no, we want to stop it. And then they bring over a million visas. And it's like, so I, I think the political solution is not with the Tories or Labour, unfortunately. No matter what anyone said, those two have to go. They have to go. They have People have to step away from that and think outside the box. What's outside the box is obviously, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. There's nothing really viable to move forward and actually create some sort of challenge. But even Tice, with the amount of support he's got, is not really anywhere in the polls whatsoever. And it's like, as much as I like the bloke, I don't think he's charismatic enough to gain public support to actually go further. And I think there's a lot of parties in a similar sort of situation at the moment. And um, fortunately, I'm, at the, I'm sort of at the perspective that it needs to get a little bit worse before we can get a better sort of politicians, if that makes sense. We need people to struggle for another year or two, unfortunately. And then people might come out the woodwork and think, no, do you know, I've had enough, I'm gonna stand now, I'm gonna stand and then so on. And then before you know it, there might be some sort of ripple effect. But at the moment, it just, it just looks like more of the same. I, I, I kind of think the same. I look at it and think, how bad does it have to get? And we've got, in so many areas of society, um, we have had a collapse in what is right and wrong. And with immigration, I kind of look at it when it was in single thousand figures, four, five, six thousand, then it got into the double. Um, now we're at 30,000. You kind of think, well, it, numbers become irrelevant. It's just a hell of a lot of people. <laughs> so how many does it have to come? And I'm wondering at what point do people wake up? I guess if all these people are bussed to the safest conservative constituencies, just like Santos was bussing people up to DC, maybe that's what it did. Maybe we need to put buses on and just send them to the safest Tory seats. Well, here's the problem. The problem with that is we're not, we're not laid out the same way as they are in America, where obviously... If we had county people that was in charge of counties, for instance, there was someone in charge of Kent, someone in charge of Sussex and so on, then that option might be viable. But the way the UK system works, if someone loaded up a load of illegal immigrants onto a bus and moved them to another area of the country without the home offices say so, they, they get banged up for 10 years probably. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the reality of the situation. So we have to think a bit smarter than the way the Americans do it, unfortunately. I think, I think what would go in our favour is... And, that, and it sounds a bit far-fetched, but the same thing's happening, but under a Labour government, if that makes sense. Because when people see Labour, their, their eyes go red and they go, oh, no, 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 no. But when it's Conservatives, they always hold that little bit of hope that something's going to change. And they always think, oh, they're going to come good in the end or 
something like that. But the reality is they're both the exact same sort of party. But I think people need a common enemy to go forward. Obviously, most people like ourselves know that the Tories are not on our sides. Like, we're not silly. But yeah. the general public who are not politically involved or anything like that, they just see Tories, Labour, got to choose one of them. So it's to the public, they always see Labour as the bad guys, unless you're an open border fanatic and so on. But then even they don't like Labour because they think they're too right wing. So it's, it's, kind, it's kind of a bit of a weird one. But I think if we went down the route of having a government that people genuinely don't like, and like, I'm not saying it from my point of view, I'm saying it from a public point of view, then I think we might have more of a chance, more of the media might get on our side and so on. But as it stands at the moment, we're sort of in a limbo phase where people are too scared of Labour and they're too scared to step away from the Conservatives. And because there's no nobody like a Farage figure or something like that banging the drum saying, right, I'm here waiting in the line, ready to go, we're sort of just stuck in limbo. And until we get one of these genuine leaders to come forward, put their, put all of their egos aside and say, oh, I'm just going to go for it. I know I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered by the press, by everyone involved. I'm going to get slaughtered. But it needs to be done, unfortunately. I just don't see anyone doing it at the moment. I agree. I think you're right. The The Conservatives need to be thrown into the wilderness and to go and have a long, hard think of what it means to be a Conservative politician in the UK. And maybe they'll come back with something different or they'll just come back in with Labour light. So I, I agree completely with, with your assessment. Can, can I ask you about your FOI, so Freedom of Information Request. So just for our non-UK viewers here in the UK, Tony Blair introduced a system whereby the public are allowed to ask a government or a government department or a public institution for information that they hold, which maybe has not been released into the public. Um, and then we as the public are supposed to see that. So tr new transparent government, supposedly. Um, that was... Uh, Tony Blair, uh, fast forward many years, and many people use this system to varying degrees of success. Now, Steve, you have put on the website recently, you have been writing to the Home Office asking for information on uh, people coming through the Channel Tunnel. Let us know kind of what you were looking for and then what the response has been. Yeah, so with the Channel Tunnel, I've had a few back and forths with the FOI teams about the information. The first thing I put in was, like, you have to use the correct government terminology and so on. So I put in how many migrants, asylum seekers and refugees have arrived via the Eurotunnel since January 2022 to August the 1st, 2022. So not a long time at all, about eight months, not long whatsoever. And they replied to me about a month and a half later saying, we hold the information but it's not in the public opinion, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sat there thinking, well, it's definitely in the public opinion. Like we get daily figures of how many come over by boat. Why wouldn't we get the same for oh, the time? So can I, so they actually tell you we have it, but piss off. We're not going to tell you. That's <laughs> basically, your attitude. Basically told me to jog on. <laughs> and then, um, so I, I wrote to them and I said, well, the this should be in the public interest. Like We get daily figures of how many come over by boat. The public are outraged by immigration as a whole. So to suggest that it's not in the public interest is an outright lie and I'm appealing decision, blah, 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 blah. So then about two months went by, I heard nothing. And then they randomly emailed me back and they said, we apologise, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll tell that. I'll just get it up on the laptop so I'll read it right. It says, we have... I've carefully considered your comments and consulted with the responding unit. I consider that the Home Office's original response to your request was not correct. I apologise for this. And then they go on to say 
that the information you have requested in relation to the channel tunnel is not collated either by the MOD or by the Home Office. So now what they're backtracking, they're saying they was wrong for telling me that it's not in the public interest and that they hold the information. They're now saying that neither the MOD or the Home Office have any data at all on who comes illegally by the Channel Tunnel. Which is absolutely, it's an outright lie, we all know that, because they have to have some sort of data. If someone arrives via the Euro Tunnel that hasn't got a passport and they've come in the back of a lorry or something, they know that that person's came over. There's some sort of that paperwork. There's a paper trail to that. There has to be. So to suggest they don't have it is a lie. There's no other out. There's no other response you can say to that. But if that if it is true, let's just say in some bizarre twist turn of events, it isn't. It is true. Then they're telling us that they don't know how many people have come through the tunnel at all. That's basically what they've told me. And that's that's a huge story, really, when you actually think about it, because they're they're openly admitting that they don't know how many people are coming via the tunnel. And obviously, that suggests to me that the number's huge. Wow. They, they, so they went on to say the final border force control point. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. They went on the final border force control point for passengers boarding Eurotunnel in France is Coquel. Border force identifies clandestine travellers and those to be refused entry to the UK before they leave French territory. So they know who's trying to come into the UK because they're, they're saying that they identify who's clandestine. But then they go on to say that they don't collate the um, the information. It's not collected by the MOD or the Home Office. And if it's not collected by either of those two, who's collecting it? Because it's their job. Wow. So obviously coming into the UK, uh, people could come in on a flight, but that would be difficult if you don't have the paperwork. The, the easiest way is just to make your own way on a boat. But the other ways would be coming over on a ferry, uh, getting into one of the many trucks that come over or getting into either a train or truck coming over on the Channel Tunnel. But I guess your tunnel on the trains will have restrictions. So it, um, I mean, it does seem the easiest way is just to grab a boat and come in. But the Home Office are claiming they don't even know, they haven't even tried to ascertain what how many people are coming through the tunnel itself. Yeah, that's, that's the bizarre thing about it, obviously. When I said to them about the boat arrivals and they give us daily figures, they should give us the same for those that come in lorries. They should give us this. Obviously, it's harder with lorries because you can't catch every single one. But what they actually do find, they should tell us. The same with the Channel Tunnel. And if you look at all of the footage, I know people that have filmed in France from the Euro Tunnel side. And I know lorry drivers that have drove through and they tell me that there are thousands trying to come through the tunnel every day, no matter what. Obviously, a lot don't get through, but that's not to say that some don't. Some do. Sorry. So. What, what the, to, to them to suggest that they don't hold any data on the information, it's kind of like, I don't know where to go from this point because you basically told me to jog on the first time and now you've told me to jog on because you ain't got the information. And it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's just an outright lie. Like, I, I've sent this to um, Migration Watch and so on and hoping that they make a bigger deal out of it than I can. But at the moment, nothing. But it's, it's a huge problem, in my opinion, because... As you say, you can easily come over on a dinghy. Everyone knows how easy that is now. But it's also just as easy to come in a lorry. I've stood at the docks, like not the uh, dock, the illegal side, the western, uh, the western dock, sorry, where they go through in the ferries. And um, I've stood there for about, oh, it must have been about 13 hours, just watching how many lorries they check, just to see how many get checked. And it was like one in 25. So <laughs> that means like they're stopping one lorry 24 could have gone past with illegals in the back and there'd be none the wiser. 
It's, it's wow. crazy. And I know they can't check every single lorry because that would take absolutely ridiculous amount of time. But something has to be done because you can't just check one in 25 and say that's an efficient border control. And I hate even explaining this information because people could listen to it from the other side and go, oh, look how easy it is. <laughs> it's, it's like, but it is ridiculous when you think about it. Because obviously getting the boats is easiest because in on the French side, you would expect they would stop people. But I guess the French thinking, I'm assuming, is, well, we don't want these people, so get them off our territory. And the Brits saying you'd expect they would be a massive barrier and everything would be done to stop them. But it seems, from what you've said on the boats, it seems as though our border force, our Ministry of Defence that's supposed to protect the integrity and protect our borders, they're actually assisting these people. So as, as long as you can get on a boat into the water, then you'll be assisted over by the very people that are meant to stop you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like when before, uh, about six months before Patel stepped down, she put in place, it might have been a year ago now, all the time sort of blurred together, but she put in a um, sort of like company that accepts phone calls from the illegal immigrants when they're in the channel not even in our waters just in the channel phone through to the coast guard so then they can say we're in a dinghy can you come and collect us and then off you go off the rnli goes all the border force straight out to go and collect them it's like a literally a taxi service they can phone through say we're on our way in a boat and they will go and get them which is absolutely ridiculous when you actually think like they've, they've put that in place for people to make it easier for them to come over. And then in the same breath, they go, we're trying to stop a human trafficking trade. And it's like, you are the human traffickers now. Like it started off when it was genuine human traffickers, but now the border force and the home office and the MOD have taken over the role because these traffickers from the French side, they've literally only got to make the boat seaworthy enough to get them to the middle of the channel and they're escorted by coast guard like the french coast guard as it is so there's no real threat to their life and when you hear the french have taken back one or two dinghies the only reason they're actually taken back is because that dinghy couldn't physically make it on its own and the french are not literally allowed to tow them to uk waters so if it can't make it on its own they'll bring them back but if it can they just watch them and wave them off and what do you think will happen you mentioned about the mod ministry of defense they were uh, a government department is supposed to do what the government asks them to do. And we have mutiny, complete mutiny at the moment, regards to our civil service ignoring what they're asked to do. And government departments saying we refuse to do what government is telling. So the Ministry of Defence were asked to go out and police the waters, deal with these migrants. And they've now turned around and said, no, we're not doing that. Which is, I mean, it shows our whole governmental system has just failed to work if the government say do this uh, despite of whether it's right or not and a department say no we're not so that's all going to finish with the mod what at the end of the year well when the mod the only thing that the mod have done that's of any benefit i would say is they've got more chance of preventing beach landings and that's not to say they haven't stopped every beach landing but last year there were loads of beach landings because the border force and they're not that great to be honest they're just normal people going to work like they're not yeah. like actual military yeah. like mindsets obviously one or two might have came from the military and so on but as a whole they're just normal people that half of them come from the job center or whatever sign up get a job go and patrol the border that's basically what happens but the mod have sort of stopped more beach landings than 
what would have happened the last few years. But that's not to suggest they're doing a good job. That's just the only benefit that's came from it. And there's still been beach landings that have happened. But we're back to the civil service point. They, for instance, with the pushbacks, they they are legal. They're completely legal within international, even though international law, we can disregard it and inter interpret it as we wish. And just like every other nation does, except our government doesn't. But take that to the side, even under and, all and, the and, restrictions. But, but sorry, explain pushbacks for those who may won't understand what you mean by that. Ah, well, for a pushback, for example, would be a dinghy coming. It's kind of what the Greeks do for the Turk, to, to when the Turkish escort them over. You, you you sort of get a couple of border force vessels around the dinghy. You steer the dinghy round, whether it's peacefully or by force, whatever's necessary. And you send it back to the uh, the waters that they came from. So in our instance, it'd be back to French waters. It's not back to France, just pushing back to French waters, which is yeah. completely legal and it's safe to do. And they, the only reason it didn't happen is because the civil service said, oh, no, we can't do this. That's inhumane. That's racist. What if they jump in the water? Well, then you pull them out of the water and back on the boat. And send, send. Like it's, it's a bit of a. It's a bit of a back and forth, like a tennis match, sort of. But eventually the message will get out that you're not coming into the waters. And it's completely legal to do, even with the restraints of international law. But because the civil service, the home office and the border force staff are all open border fanatics, they was like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing it. We'll go on strike and so on and so on and so on. So when you hear people like Jacob Rees-Mogg saying that the civil service is corrupt to the core, he's not exaggerating. Like, it's corrupt to the core. They're all open border fanatics. Majority of them are left wing. You get a couple of them that are right wing, but they're so outnumbered. They've got no influence whatsoever. It's kind of like how they took over all of the unions all that time ago. It's the same sort of approach, but they played the long game in every government institution. And now we're so behind because none of us see it coming really until it happens. Obviously, a few people on the inside would have seen it happening in real time. But from the public point of view, it sort of just happened overnight. I mean, ideally what would happen is the British push them back in the French waters. The French then take them, bring them all the way back to France, put them on the beach, take the boat, set fire to them and done and dusted. That's ideally what should happen. Uh, apart from, well, I'd, we would take them and arrest them and we don't have any space to put this. So just send them back to France. That would really be the ideal way of, of fixing this. Yeah, the only way of fixing it is removing the incentives we've got over here. So that's the hotel lifestyle, the benefits, the new clothes, new phones, all of that malarkey. Like you could list off all of that, but you get what I'm saying. And then obviously you deport the ones that have come over illegally. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. You came here illegally, you're going. That's that's how it should be. You have to be cruel to be kind to stop this. And the pushbacks, believe it or not, actually save more lives at sea. This is what people don't understand. It sounds, people go, oh, it's inhumane, you can't do that. In reality, you're stopping, you're making people think twice about going into the water, for one. You're making people think twice about handing over money to traffickers or getting it on lay on where they'll have to do work when they get over it. They'll all be thinking twice about that. And when you actually push them back to the French waters, the French have no choice to return them. Like, it's simple as that. Everyone always says the um, Safety of Sea Act, like the SOSA or whatever it's called. Mm. Um, they always talk about Safety of Sea Act and say, oh, you can't do that. You can do that as long as they're safe, as long as the dinghy's not destroyed and you're sending them back to French waters with no boat, because obviously you can't do that. But it's just push them back. And even if their boat is destroyed, you know, like on a ferry, when a ferry has an emergency and they get those massive life rafts with the roof over the top that yeah. can be towed, put them on them and push them back to the French waters. Eventually, after a few months of struggles, yeah. the problem will decrease 
and it will stop because they know they can't come to the UK by boat, which will obviously increase the Channel Tunnel and the lorry route, but then you tighten up that route as well. And you collectively work along the lines and the numbers will come from 33,000 down to 3,000 or something like that. And it will slowly decline. And before you know it, the problem's solved. But the problem is, there's no politician with a backbone to push that agenda forward. No, oh, exactly. Um, what about, I, I assume that you, you've you done this for, what, three years have you been doing this now? Yeah, give or take, yeah. And you've uh, put information out. Um, I'm assuming, well, ideally the the information you're putting out, certainly at the earlier on, the footage, that to me would have been a gold dust for uh, for media outlets that they could take this in. But I assume that they haven't taken this. They don't want to put this out either. Well, here's the thing. The mail sort of jumped on it, but obviously you'd expect them to do so. But yeah. it's never a huge push. It's one article a day and then so on. And then they might get the odd breaking story, but it's always come across as a sympathetic approach towards the subject this is the time for being sympathetic towards illegal immigration has long gone it's long gone you have to be tough now you have to be cruel to be kind to actually stop the problem because take away all of your views on immigration whether you support it whether you're against it you can't argue with the fact that thousands and thousands of people who we know nothing about coming from places that don't live like us to come and then live here in a hotel at our expense and then wander around freely free to start up um like county lines all sorts of yeah. like career that a lot of them going to crime to be honest like it's, it's it's a given because obviously they can't work legally because they're on an asylum claim so all of their money comes from underhand sort of approaches but to suggest that any of those people can come to the uk in their thousands mm. is just it's just completely absurd and the media they anyone who criticizes immigration is tarnished as far right as a thug, as a racist or whatever, which doesn't bother me because I've heard it all over the years now, as you probably have as well. But the normal person who's going to vote for these issues is terrified of being called a racist. It's terrified of maybe their views getting shared into the public and it affects their job and so on. Like we've all we've all gone over that bridge and we're well past that. But normal people. That, that's a big weight over their shoulders and it's what holds a lot of people back from speaking out openly about it because I speak to so many people about it it's all I talk about most of the time because the amount of people ask me the same question I must have the same conversation about 20 times a day but you have to you have to do it you have to put in yeah. the groundwork you have to wake people up you have to explain what's actually going on like I've spoken to people that used to support him like opening borders and so on and they've watched some of my footage and they've stepped back and they've gone no, okay, this is getting a bit ridiculous now. Like, even people that have came over legally, like, say to me, go, oh, this is outrageous. Like, I didn't leave these countries for thousands of them to come swarming in. They're the reason I left, and so on, like that. There's so many different cases, but all of those people, whether you're like me or just a tame sort of person or the old biddy that's against it down the road or whatever, all of these people get tarnished as like thugs and like extremists. But if you're an open border fanatic and you support people burning down the barracks or you get all these illegals protesting or you smuggle people into the country, you're, you're, you're seen as some sort of heroic hero. It's absolutely bizarre. It's all spun on its head. No, I, I remember in my UKIP days of going knocking around some doors and <laughs> had some bloke came out and he, he had taken the leaflet and threw it at me. And then 
told me to F off and where to F and go and uh, just repeated like on a loop. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I said, no problem, sir. Thank you. And walked away. You, you could have just said, no, you don't want it. I, that's, I, I respect your decision. But that level of anger and abuse and hatred from someone on the left, I guess, is similar. And I, I, I even know whenever we... We've had so many guests on, and I remember we we discuss kind of who to have on. And I remember when you told immigration, Steve Laws is putting stuff out, and then someone said, "Well, I don't know. I I've heard that he's people he associates with, or he's maybe an extremist." Is he okay? So he went and looked at your social media and thought, well, "Seems like a normal guy." He's highlighting what's the wrong about this, but again, that that brush of being called whatever, um, far-right, Nazi, fascist, the whole list of words they just repeat without knowing what they mean. Um, and we all face it. And simply just for saying we should have controlled immigration, that's now being a Nazi. Well, here's the thing. People, even from people from our own side, think I'm an extremist sometimes because I'll talk to people that maybe someone else wouldn't or something. But from my perspective, we need all hands on deck. Whether you agree with everything someone says or not is completely irrelevant in the subject. If you agree on what you're campaigning for at the time, you focus on that. You don't have to stand under their banner or their banner and so on. You just stand as your own person with these people who've got like-minded ideas because whether you like it or not, you can't get changed by being one person. You need to be a collective. And there's an awful lot of people that don't speak to one another and so on on our side. But the way I see it is, we need all hands on deck. We need to work together as many people as possible. Whether you like them or not is irrelevant. you just got to move forward and actually try and get some sort of movement against the mass immigration that's happening in this country. Because whilst everyone's arguing, saying, I won't talk with them, I won't talk with them, we're kind of just wasting time, in my opinion. Yeah, no, uh, completely. Steve, thank you for your time as always coming long and repeating what you're saying elsewhere but thank you for giving us your time uh, and people can find everything stevelawsreport.co.uk go and make use of the website and also on telegram stevelaws19 all the links are in the description so make sure and do follow them make sure and use them and make sure and pass them on as well you'll find a lot of stuff that's interesting uh, and why not pass it on and educate someone else to what we are currently facing and to doing that you the viewer the listener can actually assist and help get that message out so steve thank you for coming on yeah nice one mate appreciate it always happy to come on not all great to have you and to our viewers listeners thank you for being part of this uh have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you are however you're watching listening um thank you for being part of this conversation and we look forward to seeing you very soon at our next interview so thank you and goodbye if you like what we do sign up to our mailing list donate share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org Thank you for listening.